0: this journey right now of discovering what is that one thing that Jesus is talking about and I believe very simply it's the reckless amazing unconditional love of God that none of us really deserve yet he gives it to us freely and it's I also shared the story or like an illustration last week about a mother holding a newborn child and that newborn baby hasn't yet done anything in fact all is All it's done is scream and cry, and yet that mother looks down at that baby with amazing love, and that's actually how God sees you and me. So I'm going to read a story from Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 11 all the way to 24. In this chapter of Luke 15, he talks about, Jesus talks about three different stories. They're called parables. One is about a lost sheep, one is about a coin, lost coin, and one is about a lost son, And so I'm going to start in verse 11, and you can follow along on the screen, or if you have your own Bible, that is great too. This is Jesus talking again. He says, to illustrate the point further, so he's already talked about the first two parables, and now he's going to tell us about this lost son story. Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, basically wealth and money, I want it now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there, he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine, which means there was not a whole lot of food, great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I'll say this speech, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer to be worthy, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned both against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. That sounds like a fun party to be at, right? You're getting free gifts. You're getting, like, the best of the best food. Who would like to be at a party like that? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us would. So tonight, I want to talk very shortly about the love of God and the idea that, we, you and I are children of God. If you believe in Jesus and you accept him into your life, you're actually considered to be a son or a daughter of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that it's the love, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So why talk about the love of God? We all know God loves us, Joanna. We all hear that all the time. But when we really begin to fully understand that and grasp that, it actually changes the way we live. It leads us to repentance. It causes the sin and, and the messed up stuff in our life to actually just be left behind. And it causes us to draw closer to God and to understand him more. Growing up, I was really blessed to have two amazing parents, a mom and a dad who who loved me a lot. And right up, you know, through high school and all through, yeah, all through elementary, junior high, high school, I lived in the same place, same house. It was a place called Crystal Court in Lower Sackville, and my bus would drop me off kind of around the corner of the court, and so I'd get off that bus every day, unless I missed the bus or had sports or something after school, and I'd have this huge backpack on my back because, you know, I was a pretty good student, and so I was thinking in my head, Every single day. Well, what if I need something—a book or need to study something—and it's in my locker. So I would just take all of my stuff home with me every single day. So my backpack was like probably bigger than I was, especially when I was in elementary. And so every day I would I would make that turn around that corner, going up to Crystal Court, going up to my house, and I'd walk up those concrete stairs to my door, and. Every day, I wasn't ever really sure what to expect. My parents retired when I was really young, so they might be home, they might not. I had an older sister, she might be home, she might have friends over. I never really knew. But the same thing always happened every single day, and it always caught me off guard. I would be walking up those concrete stairs, and as I was getting closer to the door, as I was about to reach for the doorknob, I'd hear this thumping, like, everyone do that. I hear this like, but it was like a deeper thumping. It sounded like someone was like running around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's better with the feet. It sounded like someone was running around the house or like someone was running down the stairs inside to come and meet me at the front door. And before I could reach that door handle, the door would swing open and my dad would attack me and he would wrap his arms around me and wrap his arms around my big backpack that was already weighing me down. And he would kiss me and he'd slobber all over me and my arms would be stuck like this to my body. And I'd just be like, dad, like, stop, get off, get off. And he'd be like, I love you so much. I miss you so much. I'm so happy you're home. I'd be like, dad, I've only been gone for a few hours. And that would literally happen every single day even up to today, it still is known to happen. Even when I was through, you know, going through university, I'd be gone for the day and I'd come back. I was actually really shocked if that didn't happen some days. And so my dad is awesome and he's crazy and he's funny, but I believe that, you know, I was given kind of this illustration. I had this experience, not just to be able to Come to you and and brag. Oh, I had a great dad. You might not have, but I did. That's not why I've had this experience, and that's not why I'm sharing it tonight. Um, I believe that God wants to actually speak something to every single one of us through this illustration, and He's actually revealed Himself to me um, through my dad and my dad's character and the things that my dad has done. This actually reveals how God feels about every single one of us. In this story, in Luke chapter 15, there were two sons, and so tonight I want to focus on the younger one. The younger one was a little impatient, he was a little rambunctious, and quite frankly he was a little rude. He approaches his father, who has set aside money and wealth and different possessions and things, probably for years down the road when the sons grow up and when he knows He's probably going to pass away. He wants to be able to leave something for his two sons when he's no longer around. But this younger son has the nerve and the guts to approach the father and say, yeah, I actually want that now. In fact, I'm actually leaving. I'm not going to be around years down the road. So whatever you have for me, I want it now because I'm out of here. And so I'm sure the father was pretty disappointed and probably heartbroken when he heard this. He loves his sons. But the father still wanted, you know, the son to have provisions wherever he was going, whatever he was doing. And so the father agrees to do this. The Bible says that the younger son goes to a distant land and he wastes all of his money. It says that he wastes it all on wild living. So you can let your imaginations wander as to what that might be. I picture Las Vegas, I picture um, casinos and limos and girls and food and, and money and just all these things. And he's, he's on top of the world. He's having a great time until the money runs out. I was actually in Las Vegas a few years ago. I was there on a youth mission trip. And I saw people like this. I saw people who are in the exact same state as this young man. People who went there kind of on a whim or maybe they wanted to go there just kind of to get away for a weekend, get away from home, get away from work, and they end up spending a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. They hook up their credit card to a machine over here, and before you know it, the money disappears and the relationships are broken, and they don't even have money to get back home. And so Las Vegas is a crazy place because you see really rich, classy people who have it all going for them from the looks of things. And then you walk down the block or walk down the street a little bit, and you see these people who are homeless. You see homeless shelters. You see soup kitchens. And the people who are there actually used to be on the other side of the fence. They used to be the ones who had all the money and who were doing all the gambling. And so things can just so quickly get out of control. And that's what happens for this young guy. The Bible says in verse 14 that a famine also swept over the land. So there wasn't a whole lot of food available. So if you don't have money, how much more unlikely are you going to be to find food? So this is not a good situation. So in order to avoid, basically in order to avoid dying, this young guy finds a farmer who hires him on. He goes to work in the field and feed pigs. And he gets so hungry, in verse 16, that even the food he was feeding the pigs began to look good to him, but no one would feed him anything. So this is a rough situation. I'm not sure if you've realized yet, depending on how old you are or what you've gone through, but some people in life have to hit rock bottom before they open themselves up to God, before they maybe realize how good they have it or had it. <coughs> When I'm often praying for my family members who don't have a relationship with God, I'm often praying, God, I pray that they would realize that they need you before they hit rock bottom, before they lose everything, you know, before the relationships are gone, before they get that bad report from the doctor. Because sometimes it's that at that point that people are actually like, okay, God, if you're there, I need you. But I say to God, I say, God, if that's what it takes, then so be it. Because I'd rather some people I love hit rock bottom than die and move on into eternity without a relationship with God and with sin still controlling their life. So this guy hits rock bottom. And verse 17 says, When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. He's basically realizing, what am I doing? Why did I choose this? And so the son decides that he's going to do everything in his power, everything that he can to go back home and somehow try and make things right with his father. Even if that means that he's just going to be a servant out in the field, he might not even be welcome in the home. He might never be considered a son again. But if he could just work in the field or something for his dad, that would be better than what he's doing right now. So the guy starts off. He's probably in tattered, stinky clothes. He's been living with pigs. His sandals are probably falling apart, just holding on by the threads. And he starts for this journey home. It might be days. It might be weeks. The Bible doesn't tell us how far away he was. And as he's going, he begins to really process, like, what he's done and, and how upset and angry his dad's probably going to be. Like, what's he going to even say? How is he going to approach his dad after spending and losing everything that his dad had saved up for him? And so he begins to concoct this speech in his head. You know, he thinks if I can just say the right thing, then maybe my dad will understand. Maybe my dad will forgive me. And so he's working on what words he's going to say. And the Bible says in verse 20, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. This tells me something amazing. This tells me that the father was actually looking and waiting and hoping and praying that his son would come home. He was probably going out on on the deck or out front and looking over the horizon every day thinking maybe today will be the day when my son comes home. And he finally sees this silhouette of this person coming over the horizon and he can't tell who it is at first. And as the person gets closer, he begins to kind of recognize the shape and the walk. And he's like, oh, my gosh, my son, to, like today's the day. He's finally come home. And it says that he doesn't waste any time. The Bible says that filled with love and compassion, he runs to his son. He embraced him and kissed him, his his son said to him, Father, I've sinned both against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be, your, to be your son. Let me just be a servant. And the father basically cuts him off and interrupts. And he starts hugging him and kissing him and embracing him. And he's like, bring out the robe. Bring out the ring. Get him new sandals, for goodness sake. And he's just like, let's have a feast. Let's party. And the father is just so overwhelmed with love and joy, and he begins to just lavish his love and his blessing on this son who's been gone. Did you know that when one lost sinner repents and turns to God, this is actually how God reacts? This is how God feels. He's overwhelmed with love, and they throw a huge party in heaven. And someday we'll actually get to go there and see it and experience it firsthand. But when you or I have turned from God, whatever that might be, maybe you messed up today. Maybe you did something wrong last night. Maybe you, you've you intentionally walked in sin or you've intentionally pushed God away. Or maybe you've heard him kind of working and like poking you saying, maybe don't do that. Maybe don't go to that party. Don't hang out with those people. And you push him away because I remember being there. I remember doing that. And I'd go to the parties, and I'd experiment with the drugs, and God would convict me. I knew it was wrong, and I would still push God away. When we do that, when we turn from God, it's amazing how God actually is calling us back. And he's out there kind of looking on the horizon, hoping and praying for us, believing that we're going to just start to turn back to him someday. And just like my dad, even when we've only been maybe away from him or pushed him away for a short period of time, as soon as he sees us turning back to him, saying, God, I really do need you. God, I do want to come back home. God, I do want to be a son or a daughter. As soon as that happens, God doesn't say, come on, keep coming. You can do it. He doesn't say, keep crawling. Don't mess up. Stay on the path. The Bible actually shows us a picture of what God does. And it's similar to my father. It says that he runs to us and he meets us right where we're at. Even if we're still in those stinky, dirty, messed up clothes and we're still far from perfect. You know, the son is thinking, I need to prepare a speech. You know, I need to make things right. And and the father just totally interrupts the speech. He's like, just the fact that you're coming home, you've turned back to me. I love you. And he begins to bless him. Maybe tonight you're here, but you're actually far from God. And you know that yourself. You've been pushing him away. Maybe you've been walking away, just doing your own thing. I encourage you to turn back to him. He won't just say, all right, good luck. Hope you make it home. He'll actually run to you and meet you right where you're at. In the first parable in Luke chapter 15, which we, we didn't talk about, but there's a lost sheep. And sheep are just kind of dumb, you know? And so there's this group of 100 sheep, and one of those sheep just happens to kind of wander off. It gets distracted, and it wanders off and gets lost, just kind of foolishly. The second parable is about a coin that gets lost by a woman, and she flips the house upside down, and she looks under every couch and in every corner until she finds this coin. Now, this coin doesn't all of a sudden grow legs. You know, it, it just got lost by accident. And the last parable, which we just read, is about a son who intentionally and selfishly walks away from God and leaves his father on purpose. So, as I look at these different parables tonight, I realize that however you or I got lost, However, whatever the reason is that we've distanced ourselves from God, why we're far from God tonight doesn't really even matter that much. Because no matter what the reason is, no matter what got you there, whether it was just an accident or something that someone else did to you or bad decisions that you intentionally made yourself, you're not too far out of reach from the love of God He still loves you. And even though you don't deserve that amazing love, even though we couldn't earn it back, even if we prepared the best speech ever or did all the best things we could do in the world, we still couldn't earn that love from God. And yet God still says, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. Even if you're still in tattered clothes, even if you still smell like pigs, I love you. And so as we close tonight, I'm actually just going to get Kaylee to play a song for us. This is a song that you guys know well by now, if you've been here for a few weeks. It's called Reckless Love. And I just want you to take a few moments to reflect on how much God loves you. And I want you to visualize and see that that picture of the father running to meet the son and interrupting his speech and just hugging him and loving him. Just like my dad, when I'd be coming home from school, would swing open that door and just like, he'd just just wrap his big arms around me and I'd just be stuck like this. And that's what God wants to do to some of you. He just wants to like squeeze you so hard and you're just like, oh, stop it. Stop slobbering and kissing me so much. And, and many of you are going to be thinking, I don't deserve that kind of love. Maybe you're thinking, I don't want that kind of love. I promise you, it's awesome. God's so good. But It doesn't matter if you deserve it or not. What matters is if you're willing to surrender to God and say, God, I know I've been far from you. I know I've been messing up. And as you just make that slight turn, say, God, I need you. God, I want you. And you open yourself up and just say, God, meet me right where I am. God will run to you and he'll meet you right there. So let's play this song and then I'll come up and close in prayer.
1: Mm-hmm. Before I spoke a word, you were singing all me, and you have been so so good to me before I took a breath, you breathed your life for me. Mm-hmm. so kind to me. And oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the night night, And I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away Oh couldn't it and i don't deserve it still you No shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me, yeah. No wall you won't kick down, Lie you won't tear down, coming after me. 99, and I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away, oh the overwhelming never-ending, reckless love of God.
0: God really does love us. He has a fatherly love for us that's just so amazing. And is so beyond what any earthly father ever could be or could do for us. And so for many of us, we don't have great fathers in our life. And God wants to fill that void for us. God wants to fill that void for you. He wants to be there for you 24-7. And as soon as we reach, as soon as we turn to him in any way, if that's, You're at school, you're stressed out, you're overwhelmed, you're fearful, you're anxious, you're lonely. As soon as we turn to God, he wants to just wrap his big strong arms around us and just give us the counsel and the support and whatever it is that we need. So I'm just going to ask us to close our eyes for one moment if they're not already closed. And I want to just pray for you before we uh just close and you guys can hang out for a little bit if you want. Um but if you're here tonight and you would say, Joanna, I've I've been far from God and you know what that looks like. Could be very different for every single one of us. But you've you've turned away from God, you have pushed him away and now tonight in this moment you're thinking, okay, if, you know, if God really does love me and he's going to come meet me right where I'm at. Then, then yeah, I, I need that love. I want him. I want to turn to him. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to do something really bold, and that is to raise your hand just so that I can see it. And so on the count of three, if that's you, just, just put your hand up. We're not going to point you out. We're not going to call you up. I see hands up already, and so that's awesome. But I just want to pray for you. So one, two, three. All right. Cool. I see those hands. I'm just going to pray for you tonight. All right, you guys can put your hands down. God, I thank you for each person who just raised their hand. God, you know them by name. The Bible says that you know the number of hairs that are on their head. It's it's incredible. And God, we pray specifically for those people, God, that you would come and draw close to them right now. As they leave here tonight, I pray that they would just feel your love in a new, fresh way. As they go to bed tonight, and as they wake up tomorrow morning, that God, they would be just overwhelmed. There'd just be a sense of joy and a sense of peace that they haven't experienced in a long time, knowing that you're so close to them, knowing that you're for them, and that you're with them, and you're cheering them on, and you're right beside them, there, ready, willing to help in whatever area it is that they need. And so we pray for every single one of us tonight that, God, we so often push you away or turn away from you. And God, we don't want to do that. And so we just turn to you right now and we say, God, we need you. We need to understand your love for us more. We need that father, that heavenly father in our life that loves us and supports us and is there for us. So God, would you continue to reveal yourself and make yourself known to us personally, individually, how each of us need it in Jesus name. Amen.